Welcome to the Bible Breakdown. It's a black man and woman in America who no longer identify as believers. This show contains adult languages, themes, and isn't meant for children. As black people, we respect the history of the black church in America, but its current state is massively abusive and we think the Bible might be part of the problem. Listen and let us know what you think. Peace. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown. I'm your host, Kat. And I am TK. Hey, TK. How are you doing? I, I'm okay. You're I okay? <laughs> yeah, I don't, there's a lot of things going on in life, but yeah. I'm a okay. lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, maybe getting into the word will help settle your thoughts. I hope so. Or maybe it'll just make you really good at killing people who don't agree with you philosophically. There is a lot of that in There's this. There's a lot of that in this book. It's mostly that. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, which is kind of sad. Hopefully, we'll be getting to like Psalms soon. I feel like that's usually the kind of stuff that's usually quoted from the Bible, like Psalms and Proverbs. Oh, you think so? Yeah, because usually that's where most of like the because there's some good advice in there, you know, like a merry heart does good like a medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, You should study stuff. Um, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. You know, they've got they've got a lot of hits. I do know that one. Yeah. Yeah. We're reading the part of the Bible right now that usually kind of gets skimmed over. It's yada, yada, yada. Because, it, you know, it's interesting, like when we've, um, you know, growing up, everybody does know the David and Goliath story. But I mean, did you know the David and Abigail story? No, did not. No. But I mean, I feel like people are pretty familiar with the David and Bathsheba story. The David and what is that? David and Bathsheba. I've heard that name, but I don't know exactly. Right. The, it rings a bell. So Bathsheba was Solomon's mom. Mm. and um she's kind of and once again like i think a strict because i think sheba kind of loosely translates in hebrew to queen or something like that so she was kind of like a bathing queen because that's how she seduced him oh well that makes sense guys do yeah but all of this other stuff that we've been reading i mean i know i read it back in school but to me it's not something that when you're sitting in church you hear a lot about well this is where this is the place to get into it this is the yes, place to learn it all it is so thank you everyone for joining us um and we're going to be reading the new revised standard uh we're starting second samuel today it's always fun when we start like a new book of the bible sure but i mean this is kind of a continuation of the old one it is but it still counts okay yeah yeah, because yeah, we have a lot of books to get through. We're not even halfway through this thing. We're not. And we've been doing this for years. Three years? Three years? Very inconsistently. Yeah, but I feel like this last year has been really inconsistent. We're, I mean, we've really gotten con- better. Really consistent. Really consistent. We've definitely gotten better. And that's all we can ask for. And Maybe it's because we're reading the Bible. Maybe the Bible's been improving us. Um, I, it has been improving me in being able to talk about the things that I have 
questions about. So, yes. Yes. Okay. I think it's good to get it out. There you go. All right. Well, I'm going to let you take it. All right. So, we have Second Samuel 1. David mourns for Saul and Jonathan. After the death of Saul, when David had returned from defeating the Amalekites, David remained two days in Ziklag. On the third day, a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. When he came to David, he fell to the ground and did obeisance. Ooh, gotta put that word. Um, David said to him, where have you come from? He said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. David said to him, how did things go? Tell me. He answered, the army fled from the battle, but also many of the army fell and died. And Saul and his son Jonathan also died. Then David asked the young man who was reporting to him, How do you know that Saul and his son Jonathan died? The young man reporting to him said, I happened to be on Mount Gilboa. And there was Saul leaning on his spear, while the chariots and the horsemen drew closer to him. When he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me. I answered, Here, sir. And he said to me, Who are you? I answered him, I am an Amalekite. He said to me, Come stand over me and kill me, for convulsions have seized me, and yet my life still lingers. So I stood over him and killed him, for I knew that he could not live after he had fallen. I took the crown that was on his head and the armlet that was on his arm, and I have brought them here to my Lord. Then David took hold of his clothes and tore them, and all the men who were there with him did the same. They mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the army of the Lord and for the house of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. David said to the young man who had reported to him, Where do you come from? He answered, I am the son of a resident alien in Amalekite. David said to him, Were you not afraid to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of the young men and said, Come here and strike him down. So he struck him down and he died. David said to him, your blood be on your be on your head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, "I have killed the Lord's anointed." David intoned intoned this lamentation over Saul and his son Jonathan. He ordered that the song of the bow be taught to the people of Judah. It is written in the book of Jashar. He said, "Your glory, O Israel, lies slain upon your high places. How the mighty have fallen!" Tell it not in Gath, proclaim it not the streets of Ashkelon, for the daughters of the Philistines will rejoice, the daughters of the uncircumcised will exult, your mountains of Gabola, there be no dew or rain upon you, no bountainous fields, for there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul anointed with oil no more. From the Lord, from the blood of the slain, from the fat of the Almighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back. Now the sword of Saul returned empty. Saul and Jonathan beloved and lovely. In life and in death, they were not divided, they were swifter than eagles they were stronger than lions O daughters of israel weep over saul who clothed you with crimson and luxury who put ornaments of gold on your apparel how the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle Jonathan lies slain upon your high places. I distressed you for you. I distress. I am distressed 
for you, my brother, Jonathan, great, greatly beloved were you to me. Your love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. Thanks be to God. That was that was beautiful. Thank you. Uh, he sings so beautifully. Don't you agree? <laughs> so once again, I, my whole life I've been told to admire David for being a man of God and being so awesome that God was like because he did basically whatever God told him to do. But mm-hmm. I don't see where God told him to kill this guy for telling him what happened to Saul and Jonathan and for mercy killing Saul. Like to me that was not cool. Yeah, that was a little extreme. Yeah. That was I mean that, that was actually that was just a lot. That's of his extreme. answer for everything. Like I'm just going to kill him. It's like workshop some other ideas first. What do you think his reasoning was though? Okay, so David's whole thing and why he said he hasn't killed Saul is because Saul is God's anointed. At the same time, he's technically been anointed by, he was anointed by Samuel, like, back a couple chapters ago. So, it's it's this idea of somehow it's worse to kill someone God anointed than some unanointed asshole. Okay. So... Um, it's this idea that, you know, God has his favorites. And if you kill his favorites, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll kill you. It's like the mob. Very much so. Can't so basically a, Saul was a made a man. man. Yeah. Yeah. You killed a made man. Um, and we all know how ethical the mob is. That's why we always point to them as a moral example. But like I said, like to me, David doesn't come across to me as a king or somebody like, holy he's just a warlord most warlords act like god's behind them and once again there's no way to prove if he is or isn't because it's usually just something people made up he isn't really done i mean i know last episode i had said like i think he's cunning and he does do strategic thing i mean at least the way he goes about things i mean which is usually to murder people but i think I don't know. I guess strategically, there's something in that. But as far as like wanting to work for this guy or be around this guy, I don't think I would want that. I don't think I would. Or use him as a role model. Like a lot of times people act like, you know, David is a model of leadership, godly leadership. Uh, Yeah, he just killed people. I mean, I guess you could say he's. Well, can you even call him decisive? Because he went back and forth on killing Saul, right? No, he never went back and forth on killing Saul. He was always like, I'm not going to kill Saul. Okay. I also feel like there's some more evidence for my hypothesis that these dudes were all like sleeping with each other. And what do you think that is? Uh, then I'm going to cite uh, verse 28. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Greatly beloved were you to me. Your love to me was wonderful, passing the love of a woman. <laughs> wow that yeah i have nothing for that it's just more evidence in the column like i said there's no way to prove or disprove any of this this is all and once again who even knows if these are real people like this but to me if this were in any way based on like a true story like let's just say uh 
if Diddy had said this about Biggie after he passed, I'd have been like, oh, those dudes were banging. Speaking of gay celebrities, have you seen the Dwight Howard debacle? I have. And I think the most upsetting thing about that is it sounds like it wasn't consensual. Yeah, yeah. I was at first I was under the impression that oh, the NBA doesn't want to have Dwight play because he's gay. But then more stuff had came out. I was watching something they were I swear to God, I thought he was retired. He still plays. Yeah, he yeah, he was still in the league a couple years ago. He didn't get brought back because um he well he the story was he just wasn't getting picked up by a team, so he went to go play overseas. So he wasn't like oh. in Taiwan. Okay. But oh, and now, he goes over there. Well, now this lends more credence from what I've heard is like, oh, it wasn't consensual with him, and like that is obviously an image problem, not only for the league, but just somebody had broken down with you know how media is. Not only would if he was on an NBA team, would he have to like be bombarded with questioning about that pretty much every day until the case is like yeah solved but his team the organization organization yeah. is going to be asked about yeah. questions every single day and it just distracts from right. the goal of trying to and it's know, just extra salacious because it's gay sex that always adds a little spice yeah. <laughs> um I think, well, and for people who are listening who may not be familiar with the Dwight Howard debacle, do you want to break it down real quick? Oh, yes. Dwight Howard is an uh, African-American uh You don't have to player. say that. We already said it was the NBA. Yeah, but some people might not know what that I'm is. I'm just kidding. Like, come on now. It's the NBA, though. You got a 98% chance of it being a black guy. <laughs> that was racist. It, um, no, that is statistically accurate. <laughs> So it's up is 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 uh, an observation. I guess it's just an observation. You can't just be like, it's not racist to say there's a lot of black guys in the NBA. That's just accurate. No, I mean yeah, that's true. They're they're league because that's the whole point of why it's a problem. There's black. not enough black coaches because most of the players are black. That is a whole other thing. That yeah, it's 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 a it's systematic problem throughout the whole country where people are perfectly happy to have black labor but not black leadership. Yeah, that's a yeah, separate issue. What did Dwight Howard's fuck shout ass Shout out to do? black coaches. Oh well, B- Dwight Howard. I don't. So it was kind of unclear to me, but it sounds like he slid into somebody's DMs. He set up an arrangement to have a threesome of sorts. Um, but the one of the people that he was engaging with was like hey i only agreed to you and then dwight kind of just took advantage of that situation it was just, he just kind of barreled ahead and was like nah we adding a third yeah 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 and because he's you know a fucking 610 large male you're probably going to do what he says in that type of situation. Yeah, I think the way I heard the story is at a certain point, um, one of the gentleman was held down and like Dwight like kind of forcefully went down on him. Yeah, I heard that part too. Yeah, so that was pretty messed up. So yeah, so here at the Bible Breakdown, we have no problems with gay sex, but we do have a problem with violations of consent. Yes, we do. And that is where my shift in the situation changed because originally i was just saying damn that's fucked up they don't want him on the team because he gay like just let him play but then with all that other stuff i was like damn that's fucked yeah, up yeah that's wild um yeah so peace to everybody in that situation um i hope that there can be maybe some uh what do they call it restorative justice 
Yes. Yeah. Can we yeah. talk about punitive justice later? Because I have a whole rant. On sure, justice. sure. I, I I could tell you who liked punitive justice, uh, David. I'm not a fan. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Once again, I wouldn't vote for him. Uh, <sighs> okay, it's on you. David anointed king of Judah. After this, David inquired of the Lord, "Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah?" And the Lord said to him, "Go up." David said, "To which shall I go up?" He said. To Hebron. So David went up there along with his two wives, Ananom of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David brought up the men who were with him, everyone with his household, and they settled in the towns of Hebron. Then the people of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. When they told David, it was the people of Jabesh Gilead who buried Saul. David sent messengers to the people of Jesh Gilead and said to them, May you be blessed by the Lord, because you showed his loyalty to Saul your Lord and buried him. Now may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you, and I too will reward you because you have done this thing. Therefore let your heads be strong and be valiant, for Saul is your, your Lord is dead, and the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. Ishbal king of Israel but Abner, son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, had taken Ishbal, son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim. He made him king over Gilead and the Azurites, Jezreel, Ephraim, Benjamin, and over all Israel. Ishbal, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign over Israel. He reigned two years, but the house of Judah followed David. The time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven, month, seven years and six months. The Battle of Gibeon. Abner, son of Ner, and the servants of Ishbal, son of Saul, went out from Maniam to Gibeon. Joab, son of Zura, and the servants of David went out and met with them at the pool of Gibeon. One group sat on one side of the pool, while the other sat on the other side of the pool. Abner said to Joab, Let the young men come forward and have a contest before us. Joab said, Let them come forward. So they came forward, and they were counted as they passed twelve for Benjamin and Ishbal, son of Saul, twelve by the servants of David. Each grasped his opponent by the head and thrust his sword into his opponent's side so they fell down together therefore that place was called Helkath Hazaram which is at Gibeon the battle was very fierce that day and Abner and the men of Israel were beaten by the servants of David the three sons of Zeria were there Joab Abishai and Ashiel and now Ashiel was as swift of foot as a wild gazelle Ashiel pursued Abner turning neither to the right nor to the left as he followed him then Abner looked back and said, Is it you, Ashiel? He answered, Yeah, it is. Abner said to him, Turn to your right or to your left and seize one of the young men and take his spoil. But Ashiel would not turn away from following him. Abner said to Ashiel, Turn away from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I show my face to your brother Joab? But he refused to turn away. So Abner struck him in the stomach with the butt of his spear, so that the spear came out of his back. Yikes! He fell there and died where he lay. And all those who came to the place where Ashiel had fallen and died stood still. But Joab and Abishai pursued Abner. As the sun was going down, they came to the hill of Amma, which lies before Gilhah on the way of the wilderness of Gibeon. The Benjamins rallied around Abner and formed a single band. They took their stand at the top of the hill. Then Abner called to Joab, 
is the sword to keep devouring forever? Do you not know that the end will be bitter? How long will it be before you order your people to turn from pursuit of their kinsmen? Joab said, As God lives, if you have not spoken, the people would have continued to pursue their kinsmen, not stopping until morning. Joab sounded the trumpet, and all the people stopped. They no longer pursued Israel or engaged in any battle any battle any further. Engaged in battle any further. Abner and his men traveled all that night through Arabah. They crossed the Jordan and marched the whole forenoon. Then they came to Maniam. Joab returned from pursuit of Abner, and when he had gathered all the people together, they were missing. There were missing of David's servants, nineteen men beside Ashbel. But the servants of David had killed the Benjamin three hundred sixty of Abner's men. They took up Ashiel and buried him in the tomb of his father, which was at Bethlehem. Joab and his men marched all night, and the day broke upon them at Hebron. Thanks be to God. That was a lot of uh, killing, revenge. It was stabby. But at least someone at least tried to make some sense and be like, well, the sword, that, I mean, come on. Is the sword to get, is the sword to keep devouring forever? I think like that's a line that should be more famous. <laughs> then blood begots more bloodshed or whatever. The line well, um, I think live by the sword, die by the sword is somewhere in this book. And the uh, oh how the mighty has fallen. No, oh, yes. Because it's interesting too. Because we sometimes when a lot of times when I hear oh how the mighty is falling, it's like gloating. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in the context of what you just read, it was really sincere. Like oh no, like you know these people who are like the biggest figures in my life now they they're dead. I can see that. Um, man. David is really uh He's a I brute. Know. I mean, he's in I think this was an example of him mostly pulling strings cuz this seems <laughs> just like a power struggle and he kind of just like let the other people duke it out and you know, they came back mm-hmm. to him and let him know what was going on. It's interesting to me too cuz this is technically the part where Israel splits into two kingdoms. So, David was anointed king of Judah and who was the uh, Israel or who took over Israel Ishbal mm-hmm. became king of Israel so it's interesting that after just having one king y'all already done split up yeah I mean king is a hard job I think it they, is. Say the, they say being the president should really be a two man job it kind of is we got the vice president fair fair and um, I don't know I mean, I don't have anything to say. It was just more violence. It was, I mean, that was kind of wild. Like, he stabbed a guy on a horse. That's crazy. It's <laughs> uh, a lot of, like, a lot of this has just been, you know, power struggle, land struggles, fights for resources. Yeah. Um, and all while invoking God, I really don't feel like the creator of the universe was really playing a role here. So why do you think this is, I mean, I think we've unpacked this before, but why do you think this is so popular and that people don't actually sit down and read it? People don't like to read. It's a lot of work. Um, And that's why we're doing it for you people. It is. Like, you have to um, think, to me, it's always bizarre. Two types of people are very bizarre to me. One, people who don't have a sense of humor, like people who don't like comedy. 
Who, who doesn't like comedy? There, there, it's, it's a subset of people. Like, there are plenty of people who don't like humor or comedy. And then... I've never met one person that doesn't like... You have to be aware of it. That's the thing. And just because you haven't met them doesn't mean they don't exist. And then people... But what's the reasoning? Who, wait, like I'm just, losing my, no. my train of thought. So, it's people who... And then people who don't read. Now, I know you know people who don't read. Oh, absolutely. And um, to me, it's so bizarre because I love comedy. And I love reading. But reading requires you to turn your internal narrative off. Like we all have an internal narrative that's going on all the time that's interpreting the world for us. But when we read, we're reading someone else's interpretation of the world. And so if you're not a person who likes hearing other interpretations of the world, you're not going to like reading. Fascinating. Because I always, I'm, I'm always wanting to learn about other people. Like I, I'm just a very like it it, it 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 i find it so um wonderful when i learn about other people's stories and like what makes them tick that's really it, what it is like the psychology oh, well, you're an actor yo seriously i was literally jo- we made a joke because i found out one of the guys that uh was in the show with me my last show he's a <laughs> pharmacy tech and i had made a good a joke like oh big money which pharmacy techs actually don't make that much money. Yeah, pharmacists, pharmacists do. make a lot of money. Yeah, but and then whenever was, there's tech on the end of it, that's just a way of letting you know it's like we're not gonna pay you as much. <laughs> but then I was like, you know, it's crazy. Even though you're he doing was, the majority of the work. Yeah, he was. Then he said the same thing. Mm-hmm. He was just talking about like that was you know whatever. He doesn't really like the job or whatever like that. And I was like, you know, what's crazy is I don't mind pretending to be a lot of things but me actually sitting down and doing them is another another like i i have no desire to be a doctor or a police officer although i find those professions very interesting and like i would like i like to learn about them and part of the journey of acting is learning about like those characters um but even deeper than that i've always just been fast i think if i wasn't doing acting i would probably be a psychologist or psychiatry mm. because i i just like how people think and like what makes them tick i can maybe see and how that. how y'all draw conclusions how people draw how yeah. they rationalize and come to a conclusion about something based off of whatever and especially I, watching children like watch sitting down and watching like a five-year-old do something it's interesting it's very interesting and in that's why like, i liked kids a lot of times because they do have fresh eyes on everything so it's interesting to get their take on stuff. But it's just like sitting down and watching like a kid just swipe through her iPhone and like go and they know where shit is. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> this is I mean, crazy. But that's the thing. That's all they've known. So, of course, that's like how their mind, you know, everything to them is a UX. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I also I find that's... this book fascinating as well, because for as much of I don't think we should model our lives off of this particularly i do understand the reasoning why people i know a lot of people like a lot of people need structure i think a lot of people need structure and they need because without it, it's just the world just seems too chaotic. And, and so let this me just say, I'm not anti-structure. I just think we should use more logic and reason when we're creating structures. Just kind of like when we're building a building. We just don't go with like what feels right when it comes to the measurements. 
it's like no you you have to be like you can't just guess it's like you need some like and that's the thing too because people don't like math people don't like logic people don't like things that don't kind of flatter their people let's just call it is people don't like just not having this not being able to show up and just be good enough by showing up people don't like they don't they don't like things that challenge their pre-existing worldview or they don't like yeah they want things that flatter their pre-existing worldview very similar to the santa claus thing and the other reason why the bible it has people go with the branding around the bible not what's actually in it and that's the thing too because it was the first book we were talking about this before we started recording it was the first book in this sort of modern era to ever be widely published so it just got a head start over all the other books so it doesn't mean like it's better it's just because the people who invented the printing press decided to print a bunch of these first tim grover i was watching an interview he did the other day and he had said you know the price of winning tim grover for those who don't know he was michael jordan's trainer michael jordan constant vigilance who what Uh, i thought you said the price of winning is constant vigilance what is it no the price of winning changes daily oh say that so the, the the what he was talking about though is just like to be motivated is kind of like being in the stock market it always goes up up and down but you whatever the price is that day you have to be willing to pay it and so and a lot of people can't do that and i think about that when i think about this book is like a lot it's, it's just so much easier just be like, oh, i'll just i'll just pre-subscribe to the idea of god and jesus and christianity because if i actually have to go out and think about like how do we make the world what we want it to be that's just a lot of work and i gotta go to work i got kids i got fucking bills yeah it's like hopefully you know we can just blow up the middle east and jesus will come back and i gotta worry about it (laughs) i mean that's lightweight like the theology right now shout out wisecrack i was watching a video earlier too about freedom and there's a difference of the philosophy of freedom versus what the United States thinks is freedom versus the market what is freedom. Yeah. Versus what we, what we might actually think freedom is. And, uh, yeah, it's very interesting because All even, right. oh. Oh, I was just gonna say to move on, even with free will, um, our, our, our God given ability, are we really free? Yeah, that's the thing. A lot of philosophers think that free will is a myth. Like we mm. can make choices, but our choices are confined to like the limits of our perceptions. So how much free will do we actually have? I agree Fun with to that. think about. Let's but instead of thinking of that super cool concept, let's read Samuel three instead, which is super long. How many oh people gosh. oh let's just for fun, let do you want to guess the body count? Are you taking a death wager? This is in Vegas hospitals. It doesn't matter because they've been dead for thousands of years, so it's not too soon. <laughs> I don't. I mean, thousands, maybe. Wait, I don't. Probably thousands, because if they raid a village, then I mean, at least hundreds to thousands of people are probably gonna. Let's see. I'm gonna. I'm gonna wager it off the last one because I feel like in the last chapter. Because, oh, wait, what was that thing, too, where they just all stood in a row and just stabbed each other in the sides, like, as a contest? Was that to, like, gauge how tough you are? 
I know that was super weird because there was twelve. That was twenty four. I totally missed Abner, that part. So that was like twenty five. So I'm gonna guess uh, maybe in this chapter uh, fifty. What the fuck? Okay. All right. Well, let's see. Second Samuel three. Abner defects to David. There was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. David grew stronger and stronger while the house of Saul became weaker and weaker. Sons were born to David at Hebron. His firstborn was Amnon of Ahinoam of Jezreel. His second, Chiliab of Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. The third, Absalom, son of Maka, daughter of King Talmai of Geshur, the fourth, Adonijah, son of Haggith, the fifth, Shephatiah, son of Abital, and the sixth, Ithrim, of David's wife Egla. There were these were born to David in Hebron. While there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David. Abner was making himself stronger in the house of Saul. Now Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, daughter of Aya. And Ishbal said to Abner, Why have you gone to into my father's concubine? The words of Ishbal made Abner very angry. He said, Am I a dog's head of, for Judah? Today I keep showing loyalty to the house of your father Saul, to his brothers and to his friends, and have not giving you into the hand of David and yet you charge me now with a crime concerning this woman so may God do to Abner and so may he add to it for just what the Lord has sworn to David that will I accomplish for him to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel over Ju- and over Judah from Dan to Beersheba and Ishbal could not answer Abner another word because he feared him. Abner sent messengers to David at Hebron saying, To whom does this land belong? Make your covenant with me and I will give you my support to bring all Israel over to you. He said, Good, I will make a covenant with you. But one thing I require of you, you shall never appear in my presence unless you bring Saul's daughter Milko when you come to see me. Then David sent messengers to Saul's son Ishbal. This is Michael. Michael, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I always, I, I don't know why I say Milka. I knew a Milka, but it it's wasn't spelled, spelled like that. It is spelled differently. Milka. I'm an idiot. Okay, I'm sorry. You're not an idiot. I just want people to no? know because that that's old. Girl it's okay life. to know that you've messed up. I can be an idiot. You that's called fine. yourself an idiot. You're not an idiot because you messed up. You're regular. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Appreciate your words of encouragement. Then David sent messengers to Saul's son Ishbal, saying, Give me my wife, Michael, to whom I became engaged at the price of 100 foreskins of the Philistines. Ishbal sent and took her from her husband, Paltiel, son of Laish. But her husband went with, him, went with her, weeping as he walked behind her all the way to Baharim. Then Abner said to him, go back home. So he went back. Abner sent word to the elders of Israel saying, for some time past, you have been asking David, seeking David as king over you. Now then bring it about. 
For the Lord has promised David, through my servant David, I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and from all their enemies. Abner also spoke directly to the Benjaminites. Then Abner went to tell David at the Hebron all that Israel and the whole house of Benjamin were ready to do. When Abner came with twenty men to David at Hebron, David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. Abner said to David, let me go and rally all Israel to my Lord and the king in order that they may make a covenant with you, and you may reign over all that your heart desires. So David dismissed Abner, and he went away in peace. Abner is killed by Joab. Just in the servants of David, just then the servants of David arrived with Joab from a raid, bringing much toils with them. But Abner was not with uh but Abner was not with David at Hebron, for David had dismissed him, he had gone away in peace. When Joab and all the army that was with him came, it was told Joab it was told Joab, Abner son of Ner came to the king, and he has dismissed him, and he has gone away in peace. Then Joab went to the king and said, What have you done? Abner came to you. Why did you dismiss him so that he got away? You know that Abner, son of Ner, came to deceive you and to learn your comings and goings and to learn all that you are doing. When Joab came out from David's presence, he sent messengers after Abner, and they brought him back from the cistern of Sirah. But David did not know about it. When Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gateway to speak with him privately. Then he stabbed him in the stomach, so he died for shedding the blood of Ash. Ashiel, Joab's brother. Afterward, when David heard of it, he said, I am my kingdom. I and my kingdom are forever. I and my kingdom. Ugh. I and my kingdom are forever guiltless before the Lord. For the Lord of Abner, son of Ner, made the guilt fall on the head of Joab and on all his son, all his father's house, and made the house of Joab never be without who, one who has a discharge who is leprous or who holds a spindle, or who falls by the sword, or who lacks food. So Joab and his brother Abishai murdered Abner because he had killed their brother Ashiel in the battle of Gibeon. Then David said to Joab and to all the people who went with him, tear your clothes and put on the sackcloth, mourn and mourn over Abner. And King David followed the bier. They buried Abner at Hebron. The king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner, and all the people wept. The king lamented lamented it for Abner saying should Abner die as a fool dies your hands were not bound your feet were not lettered or I'm sorry your feet were not fettered as one falls before the wicked you have fallen and the people wept over him again then all the people came to persuade David to eat something while it was still day but David swore saying so may God do to me and more if I taste bread or anything else before the sun goes down all the people took notice of it and it pleased them just as everything the king did pleased all the people so all the people in all Israel understood that day, that day that the king had no part in the killing of Abner son of Ner and the king said to his servants do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel. Today I am powerless. Even though anointed king, these men, the sons of Zeruiah, are too violent for me. The Lord pay back the one who does wickedly in accordance with his wickedness. Dun dun dun. This was a tad bit convoluted. Because it, yeah, it, a lot it of things starts going. before like the 
because the first two chapters, like the first two chapters are like after Saul dies, but then this feels like this happened before Saul yes. died. Okay. But they don't tell us that. Well, maybe it was just a flashback episode. <laughs> Fair. Okay, and then, like I said, we have the return of Michael. David was like, look, I had to cut off 100 foreskins to get this girl. I want her back. Because it sounds like <laughs> to me he, this is like some plot shit where he's like plotting with, because uh, like, I think Abner was also Saul's cousin. So he was Saul's cousin and commander of the army. And he was like, hey. But then Abner's like, you know what? I think David's going to win this shit. I think I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, cozy up to him and be like, hey. I'm in charge of the army over here. I could get everybody to come over to you. That way our armies will be together. Boom, boom. And David's like, sounds good to me. But because if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Those two guys from earlier, they were like, hey, you killed our brother. We're going to kill you now. So yeah. they do yeah. that. Rules are rules. And then, but then it seems like whoever wrote this, because it can't be Samuel because he's been dead. So whoever wrote this, it sounds like they're trying to like make it seem like David didn't do anything wrong. But you're right. Like I ain't had nothing to do with that, y'all. Just because, because how could you ever trust somebody to be on your side if they betrayed their king and cousin? You, you know can't. what I'm saying? Like the move is to let him do that dirt, and then it's very Benedict Arnold. You know what I'm saying? Like you're yeah. trying to play both sides, so I don't trust you. And they're like, and see that proves David didn't have nothing to do with it. And it's like. Okay, but when was that all? His, his so he wasn't. I'm. I was confused by what I was reading. You should. Be. His, this was his confusing. way of proving that was to not eat before the sun went down. Was it, say it again. His way of proving that was to not eat before the sun went down. Yeah, because he was so sad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess you know when when a tragedy falls, like you know, if a family member dies, it might take you a while to go eat or something. I guess or a friend or something. But then this wasn't a family member. This was the dude he was using to get more power. But he was pissed. He built up a rapport with that guy. Uh huh. Should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands were not bound. Your feet were not fettered. As one falls before the wicked, you have fallen. And the people this was just I, like I said I'm confused like it seemed it seems like he was trying to play both sides where the house of Joe where he was like I don't want to curse the house the head of Joab even though they're the ones who killed Abner right right but at the same time he's also really sad about Abner to me personally reading this it sounds like David ordered the hit and they're trying to rewrite history to make it seem like he didn't because mm. this was the part two that's weird like because why i put this when joab came out of david's presence okay wait, wait, wait i'll go back a little bit he dismissed him when Ner came to the king he dismissed him has gone his way and then joab said to the king what have you done abner came to you why did you dismiss him you know abner came to deceive you and like your comings and goings right and then joab came out of david's presence he sent a messenger back to abner and they brought him back from the cistern but david did not know about it and when Abner returned, he brought Joab, took him aside, speaking privately, and then he stabbed him. So after Joab talked to David privately, jo Joab ends up killing Abner. And David basically pardons him, but then also mourns Abner. Wow. And everybody's <laughs> supposed to be like, hey, we wrote a song about it. Here you go. 
Well, I did get the parton thing, um, but I just. Why do you get the I pardoning? I, I'm, I'm not saying I get it like I agree with it. I got it like from the text. Oh, that's what happened. I, I okay. knew he was going to pardon him. Also, Bard summarized it for me, so that helps. Wait, say that again. Bard summarized it for me, so that helps. Okay, great. Well, oh my goodness. So I was wrong. 50 people did not die in that chapter, just the one. That's and, okay. Well, at least they did. At least they didn't kill Michael's husband. That was nice. I know. Surprisingly, he was. They not just killed. abducted her. Fifty foreskins. You know. Yeah, that was a lot. You know what? You know what I think is great. I think it's great that women did not get any choice at all in who they uh, had to marry, and that's how the Lord likes it. Well. Did you see that no. thing about Mike Johnson, the new speaker of the house, saying like every woman owes at least one able bodied baby? <laughs> and he has an oh, app that, that him and his son do to keep from masturbating. Wait, they have a what? It's an app. Like it's an, it's an accountability app. So basically, the other person can see oh what gosh. websites you're going on. Because, yeah, no one has, like, a private tablet. They actually do what their the fuck shit on. Why are people so against sex, man? Like, it's I get purity it. culture, man. I like, fucking hate purity if you culture. Control, if you control somebody's This triggers me every single fucking time. No, this is, this is how we all got if here. You control, if you control someone's sexuality, you control them. Period. To a degree. Point. To a degree. Not to a degree. No. You, because what happens when people are not busting nuts is they're fucking angry and then they're killing people. That's what you want, though. This dude's a warlord. Of course, you want people killing people. Like you don't want because that's what all. That's balance. basically no nut November is all about. Is like to re um, what is it? The no fap challenge is like mm-hmm. oh, the more you don't like ejaculate, like it re. I guess repurposes, rebuilds your testosterone now. You got all this like, but it's supposed to also help you like become super focused and shit. I don't know. To me, it's very bizarre that in modern Christianity, there's no problem with violence and there's so many problems around sex where, you know, like even in our entertainment, we can see like on TV, like hundreds of murders in one day. If you watch TV, you'll see hundreds of murders perhaps, but then they'll stop if you see a nipple. Like God forbid you see like the body or anyone like expressing themselves sexually because that's somehow more harmful than watching someone get their brains blown out. Is that... A society, or I'm sorry, is that a United States thing or is that a across the world thing? I can't say. When I say across the world, I'm asking specifically (laughs) for Europe. Yeah, I was about to say, like, I think that's a specifically sort of like American thing. I think other countries are less squeamish about nudity and sex. And, but to me, it's all part of that control. Like, you know, you don't nut until I say it's okay and it has to be the same person forever or else you're a piece of shit. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous to Your me. Your ancestors like. are looking at you masturbating and they're weeping because you're weak and gross. Well, because it then it causes it causes more because people 
run with that shit and then it becomes yeah, this 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 problem i see all the time on internet where people are slut shaming other people like oh my god i can't believe she would wear that or i can't believe she would do that or he would do that and it's just like let people be them fucking selves like you don't have to i mean granted we all are entitled to our opinion i guess but also i don't think people ever stop to think like oh yeah that shit actually don't got shit to do with me listen all sex that you're not into is gross that's because sex is gross but if you're into it it's hot but if you're not into it it's gross like like when people like that spit in your that mouth statement. that like like that spit in your mouth stuff oh that's I the hottest that sex is, huh that's the hottest sex and see to me Spitting that's, a girl's that's mouth? really to me that's really gross so but you but, that's so tame though like you kiss exactly that's why I, I, that's why i used it as an excuse if i use something extreme it doesn't make the point as well because like i said for stuff that's real vanilla and mild for some people for other people it's really hot so that's why it doesn't really make sense to judge people as long as it's consensual i don't care but if see, i'm I don't not think kink it, sex like, is just because i gross. find it personally disgusting doesn't mean it's bad well, I'm pushing back kind of on your statement because I'm not into kink sex, but I don't find kink sex, sex gross. Like getting okay. whipped and chained. I don't think it's gross. I just. Well, that's not to. gross, but that's not even sex. Like that's a kink. I'm talking about like in the actual act of sex because our bodies are squishy and like squirting fluids. So like if you're not into something, it's going to be gross like people who are into blood play you know what i'm saying like for them that's super hot but for me like what i would dry up play? huh what is blood play you know like when people cut each other and kind of play in the blood and stuff like that i don't know anything about i thought you were talking about like having sex in your period or something that could be a part of blood play too i mean again that it's not where I draw the line, but I know some people may. Or like scat play. Some people are really turned oh, okay. on by, that's, you that's know, gross. like people. But have I have their... a sensitivity to smell. So like mm-hmm. any shit play or any shit types like, like I just. Exactly. People are different. So like I think it's it's important to remember, like just because you might feel a revulsion towards a type of sex act, it doesn't mean like there's something wrong with you. Something's wrong with you is if you try to get it outlawed. But again, once what again, people all do, this stuff is easy to avoid. Like, it's not like I'm constantly confronted with people like spitting in each other's mouths. It's like I have to seek that out. <laughs> oh, yes. What's up next time on the Bible breakdown? <laughs> so Ishbal is going to be assassinated. Um, oh, David's spoiler. finally going to live out that dream of becoming the king of Israel. Ooh, he's going to be anointed. And then he's going to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. Ooh. Wow. It's so interesting that this is still impacting our world. It is very interesting that it is impacting our world in real time, actually. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be. There's so many better. Do- I don't think we should rely too heavily on any one document. Um, there's so many documents to be had and learn from. But the fact that people, like I said, I don't get a ton of comfort from relying on this like super violent, sexist like book. No, I think there's a, you know, I think about this often with sports, for instance, because I think sports is a, is a good example, like football in particular, a modern day example of being a gladiator Mm -hmm. and i think there is a time and a place where 
you know, it's not it, it, having that. I don't know testosterone or that type of energy can be exhilarating, mm-hmm. but I don't think it should ever come at the the the, the people being murdered. Like I think yeah. that's excessive because yeah. there's no coming back from that. No, it's too final. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, I oof, I don't know. This one was a this one was a doozy because it. It does get difficult because of where we live, where people like really go hard for this and really want you to be like, what? You don't love the Lord? It's like the like, why are we still talking like 17th century, like English peasants? It's like, oh, thank the good Lord. It's like, what are we doing? Like, like we're wasting freedom. Like we actually we live in a country that people kill themselves to get to because of the professed freedom we have here because at least for now there is at least a technical separation between church and state which is what so many people strive for because when you look at theocracies around the world they suck because they're so authoritarian and there's no checks on power so we actually have the opportunity to be like you know what you can do whatever you know you can do whatever like you know religion you want to do i just don't want to do it and i think it should be perfectly okay to say i don't want to participate in that yeah yeah that's supposed to be if if anything that's that's the first amendment that's i'm sorry that's the first amendment for all of these like by you know bible gun toting christians and like my second amendment it's like okay but what about the first one but i think this is where we get into the weeds for another topic and maybe for another day. But part of that comes at people, when you reject the thing that they like, then they feel insulted. And then we go down to ego. So this can all be broken down on so many different levels. That's true. Oh, all right. Well, I don't know. Because nobody, because what you're really saying, when when. It, it should be, hey, I don't want to do that thing. Thanks, but no thanks. Mm-hmm. But what it, what it often comes off as is, fuck you, your thing is stupid, and you're mm-hmm. a dummy for believing it, mm-hmm. which is never like really the intention, but that's just how I think as human beings, we interpret any type of rejection. Yeah, that's true. So, oh, hopefully we can be better. Maybe next time. Maybe we'll find that enlightenment next time. Maybe. But uh, yeah, your body belongs to you. Get therapy. Be curious, not judgmental. Bible Breakdown Podcast at gmail.com. Keep sending in those emails. Our subscribers are growing. It's been a lot of empty promises on our end, but someday those will be filled. So, see you next time, peeps. <laughs>